I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. All right, at least I don't do crystal meth in the bathroom all night long. That's my opinion! He will never emotionally fulfill you. Because I don't want to be a part of it. Go to sleep! Go to sleep! Close your legs to married men, trash box. I'll tell you how I'm doing. Not well, bitch. Who gonna check me, boo? Welcome to the Morally Corrupt Show, a show here on the Ringer Reality Feed, where we dive into all things Bravo. And let's get into the news of the week. Chelsea Stark-Jones is back. Yes. She is joining me for the news of the week. Chelsea, wait, let's just do a, a like, how have you been? I know. You good? I've been like hiding under a, a Bravo rock. Um, yeah, I'm good. I celebrated my birthday. I uh, travel a little bit. So happy to be back with the, the ladies of Bravo here at The Ringer. Yeah, we're happy to have you back. And I, I don't, you know, and maybe in normal things in life, you would be like, you didn't miss anything, but you did, Chelsea. So much news has dropped. I know you've been keeping up with the shows and we're going to do some recaps later, but let's talk about this week's news. Maybe in the least surprising news ever. The details may be surprising, but the overall theme is not. There is a Randall Emmett expose and it is given to us by the LA Times. Now, Randall Emmett, just in case you guys aren't familiar with who Randall Emmett is, he was formerly engaged to Vanderpump Rules star Lala Kent. We first met Emmett. We heard about Emmett. Well, Emmett's his last name. We heard about Randall before we saw Randall, for those of you who follow along on Vanderpump Rules. He finally makes an appearance, makes his official debut and solidifies the relationship that he has with Lala. And then we just see things go downhill from there. They are no longer engaged. They do have a child together. And the stuff just keeps coming out and out and out about Randall, which is the news of the week today. So this article that came out in the LA Times talks about Randall Emmett and his production company. He allegedly owes $25 million in outstanding loans and disputed payments, which I will say, side note, this is not the first time that we've seen pup Randall been publicly called out <laughs> for owing money. Softy. Let's not forget 50 Cent. <laughs> what did he call him? Fo what, did, what did Randall call him? Which is actually mentioned Fofty. in this expose of, of the oh, Softy God. incident where, where Randall, and also just side note, I have to thank the good people at LA Times for giving us these Bravo-related exposés. Uh, first, K. Erica Jane, now <laughs> Randall Emmett. So uh, they're really doing uh, the good work over there. Um, 
But yeah, the Fofty thing, which was interesting, where they tell a story where ba- basically Randall went to NBC exec because apparently F- the Fofty incident was discussed while filming. And Randall went to an NBC Universal exec, said, please do not let this make air and offered like did a like a little trade for tickets to his movie premiere of the Irishman to in order for them to remove the Fofty stuff from the Bravo show. And because he was afraid of 50 Cent catching wind that it would that it would air sure. that it would start all over again. So that was like the first time that I've ever like, cause you always hear these reality stars saying like, we have no say in what gets put on TV, blah, blah, blah. And then here we are seeing that Randall used his uh, quote unquote power to uh, get a scene and a conversation and a storyline removed. Because when that happened, that was all the, the, the everything on Twitter, like the Fofty Randall exchange. Well, and Lala was included in it as well, oh, yeah. which made it even better. It's like, they're arguing with the the best troll on the internet. Oh my god! Right, you don't go against fifty and King of Petty, <laughs> King of Petty for sure. So wait, wait in regard to th- this NBC Universal exec, take that. Oh offer? yeah, he took he took the uh, tickets t- tickets to to the movie premiere of The Irishman. I know I would have. Uh, rather been compensated financially as opposed to... Um, I guess that'd be illegal. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm with you, but that's probably worse. Like, you could probably get around saying, oh, he just gave me tickets. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of the the funny things that related to Vanderpump as well. But, like, Rachel, you mentioned, like, yeah, Randall first came on the scene or, like, off the scene, off air, because he was still married to Amber Childers when, they, when Lala and... Randall first started dating. So we like knew she was dating a wealthy man. We assumed he was a married man. And then finally, apparently the divorce was cleared up. He comes on. But another little revelation about, about this was that when they first started dating Lala and Randall, he invited her to his lawyer's office and she went with his mom. And according to her, her lawyer, his lawyer offered her $14,000 to not say anything about their relationship and whom she was dating. And, um, like an NDA agreement, essentially, uh, she declined that she signed this agreement and she said that they broke up after that. Um, but apparently as we all know that they got back together when he finalized his divorce with Amber, um, which, I don't know how as a woman, I mean, I know she was younger at the time, but like a man pays you $14,000 not to say anything and you still end up getting engaged to this gentleman. Like, I just don't understand her, her logic at the time. And again, the red flags were all there. So Chelsea, the red flag is $14,000. That is an extremely (laughs) specific number Yeah, and not enough money. Exactly. but maybe maybe she upped it because remember it was the whole thing of he bought her a car. Oh, the Range remember Rover. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. I wonder if the Range Rover, which obviously is worth more than that, was part of this deal. Probably not because she wasn't saying his name, but she was alluding to that she was dating a guy and everyone was talking about him being married. Yeah. So that might have been part of the deal. But yes, Lala's hands are not clean. 
Not at in all. This at all. Not at all. You were chasing the dollar signs and the status of being with this man and ignoring all the signs. So I, you know, I don't want to take away from Lala because if you do watch Vanderpump Rules this past season, she does talk about their breakup and how blindsided she was and how he made her feel safe enough to have a child with him. But at the same time, the rumors were out there. You're not a stupid girl. You were focused on other things rather. You were focused on being Mrs. Emmett rather than being a part of um, paying attention to who he really is as a person. It was there. We could see it and we don't even know Randall. Yeah. I will also say that in regards to Randall owing the $25 million and then owing the money to fifty. Uh, I would hear when they were planning their wedding, I was hearing rumors that they didn't have that money to have this big wedding and were asking people to give them a bunch of stuff for free. I like sponsored like they stuff. Were, they were trying to have a full sponsored wedding oh because God. they didn't necessarily have the money to have it. And I have that on good authority that that was actually what was oh, happening. So I like, again, like don't, I would not put that past him. He, it, like, reading this, you just realize, like, what kind of a snake he is, especially in this, like, film industry. Um, I know we sh- need to move on, but the the sexual assault allegations and also the exchange of sex for film roles, it's, like, like it should have happened before, but post-Me Too movement, like, you you really think you could get away with something so... Disg- and, I mean, until now, he did. But it, it was it was horrific. And, you know, Lala, I, I listen to a lot of these Bravo's, you know, Bravo Liberty podcasts. And um, Lala would always allude to something more dark. Like, it wasn't just cheating. She'd always say there's, it's just darker than anyone knows. And like, I was like, well, what can be darker? Like, does he have like some weird fetish? Like what's darker? And like, this is what's darker. Like he's. So she knew. She claims she knew everything after the phone, like after the, the Nashville incident, like once the Nashville thing started, like photos of him in Nashville. I don't know if you remember, like when Mm -hmm, those came out mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. That's when she like, and in this article, she said, Randall came home. She asked to see his phone. He denied letting her see his phone and she took it. And when she took it, he, she ran away and he tackled her and tried to get it from her. And, um, you know, I think the quote that she said was like, she was using every ounce in her body to like fight from under him to like get from under him. And Randall obviously denies that he tackled her. And a housekeeper says like they were fighting over a phone, but she didn't necessarily see her get tackled. So, um, but yeah, like she claims like after she found out about Nashville is when like all of this information flooded in. And I, I, to your point, I don't think she was this naive, dumb girl. I think she was just living, um, like what's like under a rock and choosing not to hear the gossip or choosing not to see Chelsea, it. she was so, sitting right on top yeah. of that rock. <laughs> she was, she was not living underneath it. She was sitting right on top of it. She knew, I'm not going to say she knew every single detail, but Oh, all of a sudden when the pictures come out, you just magically, your eyes are open. No, you just had had enough yeah, at that point. Yeah. Also, it does her all the favors and Randall Nunn to be talking to the LA Times, right? Get in front of the story. Um, you know, like deny everything that has to do with it because obviously these are legal issues at this point. These are criminal issues yeah. at this point. I will say- We got a civil and criminal side to this. Yeah, and 
good for her that she's not married to this man. Um, oh my gosh, like, saving grace. Yes, uh, the the COVID of it all, the having to postpone the wedding, like in some weird, like horrible way, that was a, a sign that told her she did not need to marry this individual because <laughs> this would all be on her at this time yeah absolutely and it's just better for the child not to be involved mm-hmm. and I, I believe his in um his former marriage with amory has two daughters as well so yeah just like three daughters it's like this guy is just the ultimate awful oh okay well i'm sure that that won't be the end of that story i'm sure that there will be more developing i mean you guys this was in the la times you know don't just throw away bravo news like it's like it ain't shit right? This is an LA Times expose. (laughs) This is huge, huge. So we will keep you guys updated on any developments when it comes to that. So we're going to move on down to Atlanta. Mm. We skipped it last week. We didn't give you anything, honestly, because they weren't giving us anything. (laughs) And I can't say that much. Maybe like the last 10 minutes was giving it. But this episode, same thing. And here's and and, and before we dive in, I just want to say this. And Chelsea is staying along to give us the recap of Atlanta as well. But I think the reason that Atlanta seems so blah is because we're getting such big moments from other seasons, right? We're dealing with the criminal side of things. We're dealing with a maybe um, a madam. We're dealing with you know we're seeing off-camera and on-camera drama happen. It never stops. Where Atlanta, and and maybe five years ago, we probably would have been like, okay, Atlanta's giving it to us. But in light of the Salt Lake cities and the Beverly Hills and even the jerseys of it all, even Potomac. Potomac's just like, awesome. That's another level. Yeah. They're just not, it's just not hitting. It's not. Like, I will say, I enjoy watching the episodes. Like, do I rush to the TV screen every Sunday night to turn on Atlanta? No, I'll give it to Tuesday. I'll like, you know, have the night to myself and watch it. And I enjoy it when it's on. I do enjoy it. But I think one of the things that Atlanta's missing that the other franchises have, and like, I know we always question like these true friendships and relationships and whatnot, but like, even though not a lot's happening, they're still not having like, like there's no fun with them together like you're you're missing this like genuine friendship amongst the group of women and and I think that's really evident like especially with the Sonia and Drew situation it's like we know that Sonia doesn't feel this deep loyalty to Drew because they literally met just a couple weeks before filming and like the same thing like Sheree and Candy like I, I enjoy seeing that like they actually have known each other for years so there's a lot more like interest in that relationship and friendship to me than there is in a relationship and friendship between Drew and Kenya who like are friends for the show but you know what it's it's and we're not going to spend too much time on Atlanta. We're going to talk about like two major things that happened in the episode, but I, I feel like it's good to talk about why we're not really spending as much time on Atlanta. But the thing is, to your point, they are friends. I mean, when Sheree's talking about Candy, because we see Candy, Sheree, and Marlo have a beef at the beginning, the top of this episode, and they confront each other about it. Uh, Sheree goes back and says, we were the smalls. So you go back and you see all these flashbacks. Yeah. And they're like, no, they really have a genuine friendship. And Sheree breaks it down. I used to come to this. I used to be at your house for this. I saw the kids go through this. So they are intertwined in each other's lives. But for some reason, it doesn't feel that way on the show. And I don't understand the disconnect. And also, I will say, as much as I love my girl, Sonia, 
I'm not a pre. It seems painfully obvious that the producer's like, I think you should talk about this. Mm -hmm. And she's randomly talking about things at the most inopportune time rather than letting it flow. And I think that's bothering me too. It seems disjointed. It's like, why are we talking about this right now? And that, and we don't normally get that from Atlanta. Yeah. Atlanta seems to flow much better. Yeah. Sonia going to, to Wreck-It Ralph about the child set. Like that's not... (laughs) That's not who you would go to normally, (laughs) like, especially for like relationship advice. Like, no, like awful. And And a drop it with true event. Yeah. Like it, it was definitely a producer setup moment and not organic, but like to your point about candy and, and Sheree, like that fight at the top of the episode was maybe the most interesting because of their friendship. Like you could see it through. And like, I, I understand both sides to it. Like I hear Candy when she says that she didn't want to reach out to Sheree until Sheree shared it with her. Like I get that. But also like, yeah, if, if you see in the press or if you hear something, like come ask me, how am I doing? Like I, 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 I could see that, but Candy just seems like the friend that's stretched too thin. And unless you're like not right in front of her face, like she's not going to be the friend you need when, when, when you're white and some friendships work that way. Like some friendships just happen that way. Like you don't talk all the time, but when you do, it's like amazing. So I, I, the, and that's the kind of friend that I think candy is. Um, Marlo on the other hand, just seems to be like wanting to break up this divide and seemingly targeted towards candy. <laughs> with, it's weird, right? It's, it's very weird. And I'm just like, thank God she's a full-time housewife and we could see her with her nephews because otherwise she would just seem like a complete monster. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So I do, I, I don't really understand the Marlo of it all. Like it's very much like her trying and if, if it's her being bitter about candy, like and their, how their relationship started, like early on or something. I don't know. I don't get the Marlowe of it all. For those of you who have, who uh, didn't see it, just to give you some context, Marlowe and Cherie invite Candy to a sauna day to discuss Candy's lack of support for Cherie in regards to the whole Tyrone situation when Tyrone left her high and dry for two hours outside a Philly restaurant. Um, so I... We've heard them talk about this a lot. So now this is all coming to a head where they're finally having this discussion in front of Candy because it's been a lot of Sheree and Marlo talking about it behind her back. So I get, I understood Candy maybe a little bit more. This You really see it escalate. They're talking and then they're just screaming at each other. (laughs) Mind you, the other two are in the sauna and Candy doesn't want to get her hair messed up. So she's sitting outside of the sauna. Which is like ultimate black girl understanding. (laughs) Yes, the holes. And and also Sheree and Marlo sitting in the sauna. Like Sheree has a full, like maybe not makeup, but her hair's completely (laughs) done and it's down on her back. It's like, who goes into the sauna like that? I'm convinced that sauna wasn't on. But just, it was all, it was all about the optics of it. But I understood Candy because I think she felt ambushed. That's not what she came there necessarily for. And I get candy as a person who is also stretched way too thin. And sometimes you're, you're obsessed with the work mm-hmm. where you forget to pour into your personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I get that. And sometimes it takes your friends sitting down and talking to you or family to help you realize that because you just are so obsessed with working. So I got candy on that. And I really do believe candy meant d- did not mean 
to be that way with Sheree. And mm-hmm. I think Sheree allowed Marlo yeah. to rile her up. And if Marlo wasn't there, I don't think we ever would have had this conversation. They probably would have had a private conversation. And Candy would have been like, I was waiting for you to tell me. And Sheree would have been like, fair enough. Because I'm also like, Sheree, if you and Candy were so close, then why are you waiting so long to talk to Candy yeah. about this situation? Yeah, you recall but, her. But Sheree is also in her feelings, right? She's so upset about what happened, probably a little embarrassed, probably there's a little shame there. And so I think that, you know, she probably wasn't as forthcoming with that information and Candy wasn't, you know, uh, being proactive with it. So it was just a miscommunication um, so or misunderstanding. So I just hope that they'll figure it out because I really like Sheree and Candy together yeah. and I need Marlo to stop. Her peach is rotting. Her peach <laughs> is rotting and I like Marlo. She needs to stop. She does. I love that. Peach is rotting. She she started yeah. off real sweet. And now, yeah, we're getting a nice little rotten peach. Uh, we start we start at the top of the episode with her being sweet. And then we get the previews to next episode. Oh, God. And we're like, wait. And in the words of Kenya, not that I ever thought I would really quote her like that, but now that's the Marlo we know. <laughs> that's the Marlo we know. There it is. There it is. Oh, okay, let's God. move on to the event where she we actually hear Kenya say that. Yeah. So we have a drop it with Drew event. Now, poor Drew. I, <laughs> Drew's going to watch. Drew's going to watch this this season back and see how much they make fun of her. And Drew does come across as a really sweet person, but my God, they make fun of her so bad. <laughs> uh, we see her have her event. It's clearly a pop-up event. It was in a shopping, a strip mall. And she printed out, you know, a big banner with her face on it and the name. And as the girls pull up, Marlo immediately is like, Drew went to FedEx and printed this out. You know, it's just like they come in with energy where they are ready to just tear Drew down for her event. I mean, but you wouldn't expect it from any other group of women, right? Like the Atlanta women, like they're going to shade you from your business, your relationship to everything. So it's it's to be expected at this point. (laughs) Yes. And if nothing else came out better in this event, it's that we finally got down to the bottom of what yeah. Drop It With Drew is and how it originated. Oh, my God. And I, and that's the thing with Drew. It's not necessarily that she's a liar. She's just not forthcoming no. with information. No. To learn that this lady from, what was it? It was from Philly, I believe, or Chicago. Chicago. Um, Chicago. Had already had this business, which had a 21-day program. Like, that's not a name of a fitness company. But... A 21 day program. She had this for five years prior to meeting Drew and just thought like, oh, I want to be in Atlanta. So let me find someone in Atlanta that I could have sponsor this thing. And like Drew's like my business partner. We've been doing this for (laughs) so long and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, like stop. So yeah. It was, it was, I loved seeing the woman like really like light up when they were like, oh, this isn't what, uh, uh, just learning like a plethora of information. I was like, yes, ask more, ask more. (laughs) (laughs) No, listen, I, (laughs) I remember when we were, we were talking about Drop It With Drew. I know we tried to go to the website and everyone was like, oh, why are these, all these classes in Chicago? And we couldn't make sense of it. I just like... With the Drew thing, it's Drew, you're the face of it. It's it's obvious. Yeah. Right? It's obvious, but now we have the explanation. Um, Sheree saying that Drew looked like a busted can of oh, biscuits God. was was a bit too far. She's gonna go back and watch that. It's 
Like, I'm just not down with the shaming, the body shaming of it all. You can knock Drew for her not being forthcoming with information, for it clearly not, she's not an entrepreneur. She's literally an influencer. That's what this is. She's an influencer. But don't talk about, you know what I mean? Like, like she's like, I think she's spoken about struggling with her weight. And if she chose to do a mommy makeover, fine. But like, that was a bit too far for me. I mean, I don't disagree that the biscuit comment was completely unnecessary and wrong and mean. I, I, I did chuckle <laughs> and I'm not proud of it, that. It was, it was, it funny. was funny, <laughs> but yeah, I was also like, Oh, that's harsh. Like she, she obviously is struggling with her body and I know her watching that. It's not going to be easy, but I did let out a little bit of a chuckle. Not, not my proudest moment while watching housewives, but here we are. <laughs> um, so we, we know also what's been brewing is this fight between Marlo and Kenya. We know that, what started off so beautiful, actually what ended last season and started off at the top of the season, we're like, yes, finally, Marlo and Kenya are going to be friends. They let bygones be bygones. But they started off with shaky ground at the start of this season. And now it's just like, it's out the window, right? Yeah. It's out the window. I think, um, who was it Portia that was like, this friendship is not going to last <laughs> last year? Like, and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and we knew it was only a matter of time before it exploded <laughs> and before Marlo slings her insults of mothers, children's, and husbands. <laughs> Right, which she claims she doesn't do. Yeah, no. I, I love the, the the shady editing of the of the flashbacks of of when she and what they say fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, but Bravo always has the receipts. They have a hell of a library when it comes to being able to be spot on at pulling something from the past yeah. or somebody making a reference. Like they will hold you accountable. Okay, Bravo is maybe the friend that we all need. These editors yes. are the friends yes. that I we need all them like. to follow me in every and every moment of life yes um but we really really see we really really see kenya and marlo go at it to the point where they have to be pulled apart from one another they are yelling in each other's faces um i'm assuming that was security ran up and pulled kenya back because she had her hand in the face oh yeah her face marlo had her hands behind her back Marlo was talking kenya was ready to fight she said i am not the one i don't even really know how it got there. Yeah. Uh, I think this is another thing that Kenya hates is when you talk about her uh, butt. and uh, That's what it was. <laughs> yes. Marlo made a comment about her fake booty and Kenya said, I'm perfect. And they start going at it. And then I think Marlo says something, if you're perfect, why can't you keep a man? And who wants to keep Mark anyways? Um, so it just went back and forth, back and forth. And yeah, the the hand in the face, Kenya's hand in the face was a sight to see. It was very close and good on Marlo for, uh, for restraining herself because I, that easily could have escalated. Um, but yeah, it, it it literally went from zero to 100. And it was quite fascinating to watch. Kenya walks out with uh, the She by Sheree yoga mat <laughs> and is like, I'm gone. <laughs> I need to see where this is going to go. I'm very curious because at this point, Kenya and Candy, they tried it. They tried their friendship. It's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I, And I think that they're just going to have to realize it's okay to not be friends. Can they be in the same room and be civil with one another? I don't know because it just gets so dirty, right? Yeah. That's where I was kind of surprised with Kenya and Marlo. Like, 
I appreciated the fact that they were going to like let bygones be bygones and move on. But I was surprised that they actually were going to try to have a genuine friendship with one another. And I kind of just wish they just left it at the, we'll be able to sit at a dinner table and talk to each other without slinging insults at one another. Like I didn't need them to be like, you know, Thelma and Louise together. That wasn't what I, I never wanted that. So like, I, I'm surprised that they tried that with one another. I wanted Thelma and Louise. I wanted them to, I wanted to see them. Can you imagine this dynamic duo, this force of nature of Candy and Kenya coming together and do, oh my gosh, it would have been amazing. <laughs> That's what I wanted to see. I mean, we still got like half a season to go. So yeah. it's really going to be interesting to see whether this escalates or de-escalates. I'm, 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 I'm escalates or de-escalates. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. Um, yeah, for paying attention to real time, it seems like uh, it only gets worse from what they're talking about in the press. So, <laughs> we're going to move on to Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, the Ex Wives Club. Joining me for that is Jody. Jody, Jody, what an episode. We're on episode four Speak Easy, Act Tough. I have never seen so many things happen in an episode, and I have never been more grateful. I, I, Rachel, honestly, they, keep, they keep the itinerary packed over at the <laughs> Bluestone Manor. I mean, they accomplish more in a day than I accomplish in a month. Like, they go to more social events. I have not been to a single mansion tea party all summer, <laughs> and I think they not went to, all. like, three this episode. Not at it's all. It's incredible. The itinerary is amazing. So not only is it episode four, it's day four, which lets me know how wonderful this entire season is. We know they're there for eight days. We know we have eight episodes. That means every day is an episode. Where else does that happen, Jody? And you know, I when I heard the eight-day timeline, I was like, that's not enough time. Like, you can't establish enough, like, meaningful social dynamics to stir up any drama. And then in every... Ep I'm so glad that the editors give us the timestamp because, like, Eva's taking a shot in the kitchen, Dorinda and Tamara are screaming at each other, and then all of a sudden you see that it's 9.04 in the morning. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but yeah, it's so crazy that, like, this is episode four. This is day four. And things, this felt like the tipping point. Like, I see why they released those first three episodes and then this one, because like, and I mean, the tipping, the bottom line is the tipping point is Dorinda. Like, when is Dorinda going to lose her shit? Apparently, day four, episode four. Oh, um, at, at top of the morning. Top, top of, of the morning <laughs> before anyone has even gotten to their derobics. What happens in the in the morning is... Dorinda basically loses it on Tamara and Vicky for eating in the room. Now, to, to, to eating in their room. So to go back, at the when this season started, Dorinda had rules. We discussed them here on this podcast. We discussed it last week. She had a set of rules, very little rules. I think there are four or five rules, but the number one rule seems to be no eating in the bedroom. Yet there are some things that contradict this. She did give them cupcakes in their room. Marco, who is the uh, house man, house butler, whatever you want to say, <laughs> he brought, he brings them food. They take their drinks to their room. So there, it, I can see where there would be some confusion. Also, they're lit. So I can see how you can forget these rules when you've been drinking since nine in the morning, as we see through this. Um, so we see Dorinda basically, Tamara's like, okay, gotcha. I gotcha. 
I got you. Dorinda says, no, no, don't say I got you. She goes and she gets the rules. Tamara's like, I got it. I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tamara falling on the sword, admitting that she's wrong. Dorinda's not having it. It's like she's seeing red at this point. She's livid. Not food. She's seeing red. Um, And so she goes off on Tamara. And Tamara, which shocked me, and I'm very curious, Jody, what you thought about it. Tamara's reaction is to get emotional. She starts crying at the way that Dorinda's responding to her, which it was harsh and it was illogical, but I was shocked by the tears. And basically Tamara runs out and she's like, she tries to tell Dorinda, you hurt my feelings. Dorinda sees her crying. And Dorinda, Dorinda has multiple personalities. Truly. Dorinda's kind of like laughing at her. Like, it wasn't that serious, girl. Like, what are you crying over? Then she gets all worked up again at the fact that Tamara's crying. Tamara says, you know what? That's it. I, I'm getting out of here. She runs upstairs. Dorinda's like, fine, don't come to anything. And at that point, the other women are alerted that there's something that's going on this morning. And that's kind of where things go down. Jody, Jody. <laughs> thoughts on that on that like extreme <laughs> labyrinth of like psychological behavior Dorinda is my housewife's kryptonite because she is someone who I want to be her best self so badly because she's like so funny. She's such a housewife's icon. When she's at her best, she is giving us so much. And when she's at her worst, she is destroying other people, bringing them down to a level in which they cannot come back up from. Like, I wonder if Dorinda goes to sleep at the end of day four at Bluestone Manor and is like, did I make three grown women cry today? Is that three too many? Two too many? Like, she is literally making everyone cry. I understood Tamara's emotional reaction because the thing that Dorinda does, first of all, she cannot stand weak people and she identifies them and then she finds their weakness and she targets it. And so, like, I think what she was saying to Tamara that, like, really made Tamara feel so, like, less than is she's like, I don't know what you do in your houses, but in this kind of house, we don't eat in our bedrooms. And it's like, That's you're right. OC trash. Like, you come from your McMansions to my That's old it. money home. And Dorinda has this, like, this feeling that she is so superior to everyone else and she can keep it at bay. And when she can keep it at bay, <laughs> you like hear herself in this episode. She's like, I am the most loving person. But Dorinda like has this <laughs> old version of herself in her head. You know, it's like, I've been watching a lot of Westworld. It's like she hasn't like rebooted to like her new iOS system. She still sees herself as how she was like 10 years ago as a very loving person. But like as she's gotten older, she's become so much less tolerant of people. Okay, I'm like really doing too much diagnosing now, but like this is what Dorinda <laughs> does to me. Is I like somebody oh, has just, to. It's so exactly because like she's not taking, she's not acknowledging the kind of person she's becoming. And this is you guys talked about this about Ultimate Girl Strip last week and I like I love that conversation. You know, the season two is so different because the stakes are there. It's the ex-wives club. So all of these women, presumably, or at least most of them, are thinking like, if I perform well on Ultimate Girls Trip, I can get back on my season. I can get that paycheck. I can like get the attention. I can get back on. But I think the thing that some of them aren't taking into account is that they each have a different journey to get back on their show. Like, it's not all just, like, who screams the best, who brings the most drama. Because for Dorinda to get back on her show, it's actually, like, proving that she can control herself 
and maintain her anger. And she tried. She sort of tried. She didn't try, but she couldn't do it. What she did couldn't you think? do it. She couldn't do it. What did you think about that Tamara blow up? You mean with Tamara crying? Yeah, well, there's Tamara crying, but then ultimately Tamara goes full, um, that's my I got opinion! It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll never forget. Never forget. But this time that wasn't directed at Vicky because that was Vicky last time she was talking to, right? Right. But Tamara does like have this switch where she's kind of like sad and crying and then all of a sudden she's just like screeching because she does finally like freak out at Dorinda and is like, Go after 20 minutes of you berating me, I gotta go. <laughs> like she does finally <laughs> just start screaming and like run upstairs, which is when um, which is when Eva's like morning routine is is interrupted. And we all know Eva's already been up for like seven hours on the radio. So, so exactly. Totally forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> Eva is doing a 6 a.m. radio show, which means she's got to be ready by like 4 a.m. Um, the thing about I I totally forgot that what Dorinda said to her, and she literally stripped them down to calling them trash all over eating food in the room. It was early in the morning. She probably food was hungover. Food Dorinda left there. That's like what makes me so mad is when they do the montage of them all eating in the room. It's the cupcakes that Dorinda left in the room. I guess they're supposed to walk downstairs and eat them, <laughs> obviously. And, and Tamara's also makes a good point. She's, Dorinda's like, there's a, there's a, a plaque. Is that what she's calling it? A plaque in yeah, the like room. Yeah, like a placard. <laughs> a placard in the room. And Tamara's like, there's so much going on in the room. I didn't notice it. And they, they kind are, of They are sharing the- a full-size bed. Like, they, they, they probably flailed around at night and knocked that placard over. Like, they haven't seen exactly. that placard since they got there. And there is a lot going on in the room. They kind of, like, give you a little view of the room. And it's like, there's a lot going on. Totally understand. So I I understood Tamara. But see, I'm confrontational. So there's no way that that would have happened and I would have run away upstairs. We would have had it out. I would have ran away upstairs. We would have had it out. But... But that's what Dorinda does, Rachel. Like, she'd never try that with you, you know? She identifies who can't handle it, and then that's who she attacks. It's so pointed. And it's and she was condescending, and I think that's what it was, too, Tamara's reaction. She yells at her. She berates her. And then she's like... What are you crying about? Like, get the fuck over it. Rachel, what is wrong with you? Oh, my gosh. I, like, just remembered this part because this fight was, like, so long. She, when Tamara starts crying and then Vicky points out that Tamara's crying, uh, like ever so briefly, Dorinda kind of acts like she's going to feel bad about it. And that's then Dorinda right. starts crying. <laughs> she like fakes it. I mean, there is not so much as like a, a little speck of liquid on her face. Like she's not crying at all, but she's like, this is my house. This is my home. And I've invited you here. She is like going, Vicky says something very astute. She's like, She's like, no one should ever come to the... Like, she, she's just kind of like, Dorinda will be alone in this house forever if she continues to host people <laughs> like this. Like, that's that's not a host. So, like... No. I understand having rules and, like, a, you know, especially the food thing, but you just can't attack people like that. You can't say, yeah. I'm such a wonderful host and you're being a terrible guest because of what a wonderful host I am. Didn't, didn't Dorinda start off the morning meditating with coffee? Oh, yeah, yeah. She meditated into this state. Yes, yeah. This is, these are her intentions. 
She set her intentions. This is what she's achieved. Imagine, Rachel, imagine if she hadn't meditated. She could have exploded that entire house with her own like mental duress. It's, ah, uh, it's just so good. But you need some type of stress reliever and they're going to do it with Dorobics, which <laughs> I absolutely love. So it's like, Dorinda has such short-term memory. She's like, everybody get out here. Come on. Like, I, I, yeah, I just stripped down to verbally two people, but don't worry about it. It's time for Dorobics. Well, and Rachel, like, maybe you can speak to this, but I, I, I'm like a communicative person, but I'm not a confrontational person. And I find that people who are confrontational, they can just shake it off so much yeah. easier because it's like, it doesn't, affect them. It's like, this is their everyday life. So like, d- like Dorinda probably dresses down one of her staff like this, like every other hour. And yeah. then it's just like, yeah, just move on. Yeah. And we see Teaching Jill allude class. to that. Yeah. We see Jill allude to that later in the episode. She's like, this is what Dorinda does. She's, she, she, she goes at you and then she moves on. Right. So I am Dorinda. I am leading door aerobics at this point. And I'm mad. I that am everybody Tamara else crying can't. and panic cleaning my bedroom. <laughs> and I can't understand why you just won't come down and work out. This is fun. It's themed. We're going back into the 80s. We do get a nice little flashback of some of the ladies in the 80s, which I thought was kind of cool. And we see everybody go downstairs and enjoy door aerobics, which I just love that Dorinda does that or used to do that. It's it's so Dorinda. And um Anyways, uh, Tamara and Vicky are in the bed being Tamara and Vicky, still not over it, still upset, waiting for other people to come up and figure out what's wrong with them. And and we see that as soon as the as soon as it's over, we see all the ladies except for Dorinda come up into their room and um, you know, finally and they get over Eva, it. Except Eva who says she's social she's social distancing from the bullshit, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> right, right. And I, I I love I just love Eva. We're just seeing Eva wasn't like this on Real Housewives of Atlanta, and it's just really nice to see her be so calm and positive and pleasant. Yeah. And pure she's chaos. She's able to like show her lightness in this situation in a way that she wasn't in Atlanta, I think. And I think that is like an important energy to have in this house. Like, she's like a brandy wrangler. I mean, we haven't even, uh, just real briefly, we have to talk about that how this episode opened, which was with Brandy sending Eva a text message that the all-star editors typed out on the screen that said, I'm so sorry I called your husband a mangina. I didn't mean to upset you. Sad face emoticon. Let me tell you something. Back to business. (laughs) But I couldn't get over her nails as she was typing out that message. They were chipped and one was completely gone. And I said, if that isn't symbolic, her nails were symbolic of of this entire season. Of course, she gives a terrible explanation of what a mangina is. It's complete BS, which Eva calls out. But Eva's able to move on. And we appreciate that, right? We do. We appreciate that. Never. The other women could never. They couldn't. Um, so at this point, we move on because we've got an itinerary, as Jody pointed out. Um, we got lunch. Top of we've got to get to lunch. <laughs> and we got to move on. We see them go to Taylor's tea party. We see that, you know, Dorinda, you know, she's mad about it. We don't really need to get into all that. But they do, a, like, the ladies are like, we'll come to Dorobics tomorrow. They really seem to enjoy it. I enjoyed watching it. So Dorinda, of course, of course, an opportunity to lead another Dorobics for her it to be all about her and people to praise what she's doing. Of course, for her oh to be gosh. in control. 
it's on the itinerary for the rest of the trip. Every yeah, morning really we're gonna get door aerobics. She Every loved morning, it. like them it. fawning over it. She loved it and was like, well, I guess I could do another round tomorrow. But you're <laughs> right. It's like, it's not just going to be tomorrow. It's going to be every day and it's going to become a problem. <laughs> okay, but we have to move on. I appreciated this as a girl who only drank brown liquor her entire, entire life. 18 and, I mean, <laughs> oh shit, 21 and up. <laughs> 21 and up. Um, I only drank the brown. I did not switch to light liquor until I got on The Bachelor, Bachelorette, because Brian really, he doesn't even drink anymore, but he only liked light liquor. So I was like, oh, I've switched to light for love. That's what I used to always say. Wow. And I don't even drink brown at all. But because I was so into the brown, I related to these women so much at this party. And I have been to a party like this. We might not have been dressed up the same way. It might not have been a prohibition dinner and party, but the behavior was the same. Let's get into this party. I never knew what we were getting. We knew the party was coming. We didn't know that we were getting a whiskey tasting of Bluestone Manor whiskey, which ranged from great to a lighter fluid to Cleaning supplies? Was that what Jill said? I can't remember. I mean, I Jill think said. that Jill was chasing every single one with like a hefty swallow of Diet Coke. This seemed to like not be her jam. But when 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 Dorinda was like, oh, that's delicious. And Phaedra was like, oh, that is lighter fluid. That was like, <laughs> I mean, Phaedra, if, if, if Dorinda does not understand the assignment of like how she needs to be acting to showcase that she can do something different... Phaedra completely understands it. Like, she is just an absolute delight. It was so good. And I love Phaedra's explanation of the brown liquor. Like, she's like, this is brown. She said it in the moment. And then she also says it in her ITMs. She's like, this is what it does to you. It's almost as if some of the other women who don't normally drink brown liquor can't understand what's happening. They can't get a hold of their emotions, of their clothing, of, you know what I mean? Of the dancing. But... Phaedra was like, this is what brown liquor does. She knew. I I like firmly believe that Phaedra was just like throwing those tastes over her shoulder and like not <laughs> drinking them because she did not seem as drunk. I mean, the star of the show is Vicky, who everyone has been saying all season, <laughs> yeah. which again has been three days, is like not acting herself. And, you know, homegirl had COVID. So like, <laughs> like very obviously she's sick and like being really negative, but it's annoying everyone. And then for like... 45 minutes at this dinner, she gets brown liquor drunk and she's like back to whooping it up, Vicky. She's like screaming, she's wilding, she's having a good time. And then not 10 seconds later is this woman like weeping and saying that she needs to be like better than perfect. Like she needs, it was just like, what are you talking about, Vicky? It was so funny. <laughs> All of this is broken up because a burlesque dancer comes through Lulu DeVille at believe it's the name. And she comes and she dances for them and she just riles the lady up. She changes ladies up. She changes the energy. Everyone's like, woo, I want to take off my clothes too and I want to grab your boobs. And Brandy kind of manhandles um, Marco where she's I didn't like love rip that. ripping his shirt off. And I'm like, okay, this, it's one of those things where it's like, it couldn't have been done the other way. So she, you can't rip this man's clothes off. He might have been dancing, but like she literally ripped his shirt open. He seemed very uncomfortable, I think is like the thing that 
just felt sort of uh he was like kind of trying to be into it but he he's like a funny person he's a very funny aspect to this show he's, he's kind a of socially awkward he's a producer you know he's a pro- i no, did not I'm, know that. this is my assumption no this is oh, my oh, assumption oh. okay he's not okay. he's he is not a butler he is either a producer or hired I know actor. he's not actually a butler. Like, this is not a skilled He's a paid man. <laughs> actor or he's a producer. He's a PA. He's something like... It's- he's a PA or he's an actor. Like, I don't think he's, like, suave enough or with it enough to be a producer. Like, he, see- he seems genuinely confused at all times, which makes me think that he's not a producer. So he's but a he's paid definitely actor. definitely, like, a barely paid actor. Poor thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> then he Marco- gets undressed by Brandy and... Yeah, no, Marco is an icon. He will be at BravoCon. He will, he might make an appearance on the next Ultimate Girls Trip. Like at this point, he's an honorary You can get a cameo from Marco right now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Totally can. Um, Okay, so the ladies are, are, you know, losing it. And then this behavior is carried into the house. Even Lulu comes into the house. They will not let this woman go. They're like, come with us. She's like quietly eating dinner in the kitchen and they go like tear her away and like make her look at their boobs. It's so good. And this moment, the moment after the Prohibition dinner is a top three housewives moment. The chaos, everybody's doing something different, yet they're all connected at the same time. I don't even know if I can... trick camera work of like showing (laughs) all of Bluestone Manor, like they'd cut the house in half and we're seeing like like, what's happening in the attic, what's happening in the peacock room, what's happening where Phaedra is like disciplining her adorable child. Like you're right. Like it was was pure chaos. It starts because... Eva's like, ladies, I'm going to go to bed. So they all change into their PJs, but they're still filling the brown, right? They change into the out of the prohibition clothes, but the brown is still deep within them. It's deep inside. So at one point, Vicky said she felt the bourbon in her crotch. And I think that that really like continued throughout the evening. (laughs) They come, they gather into the living room. They get all comfortable in their PJs. And we think we're going to have a nice girl chat. Actually, they are having that. Dorinda is literally telling a story. I don't remember what she's talking about, but she's, she's telling talking the story. about how her and she and Jill met like the first At, time they met 20 years ago. And it's actually. I It's it's wild that Dorena didn't lose her shit over that. The fact that she was interrupted, she stayed pretty calm, but she's telling the story. And then Brandy barrels in and she's like, "Woo, let's have a party. You know, she's feeling good. She's got Tamara on her side, ready to go. But the women, Vicky's like, excuse me, Dorena was telling a story. Not even Dorena. Vicky's like, excuse me, Dorena's telling a story. So Dorena proceeds to tell the story. Brandy, run, Brandy runs out. She's like, where's this Where's this burlesque dancer? We got to have a party. Let's have fun. So they move to the kitchen to take shots. Tamara, Brandy, and the poor burlesque dancer who couldn't even coat her stomach with a meal. Like they I just was just like so her worried about like, where was this burlesque dancer staying? Was there a pullout couch for her? Like, did she drive there? Like, I had a lot of safety concerns for the employees at this point. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And then, okay, so they're, they have the shots going. Um, they're in there. Then Eva, basically Jill's, Eva's like, I'm going to go to bed, you guys. I'm retiring. Um, I got to get up in the morning for my 6 a.m. radio show. And Jill goes, oh my gosh, can I join? Can I sit on the bed? Um Eva's like, no. She's like, well, can I sit on the bed and listen? She's like, no. And Dorinda loses it. You know, you give her one point. And then she takes back five. So she loses it because she's annoyed that Jill, which well, it was annoying. 
But she's annoyed that Jill won't leave Eve alone and let her do her job. And she's like, oh, who does that? Like, that's so uncool. That's basically what she was saying. Yeah. Like, she's calling it like desperate and thirsty. Jill gets offended. And it basically, like all things, it it just blows up up and Jill is is crying she's in a confessional she's talking to Phaedra about it then Eva goes into the confessional then Dorinda comes into the confessional and then they have like a peaceful moment and then all of a sudden Dorinda's like this is what you do Jill and Jill's crying and Jill's running away Taylor's trying to understand what's going on and then she goes back downstairs and they're in the kitchen taking shots and it is just oh like I'm sure that if there was a camera on the camera and sound people they were running around with their cameras trying like they don't know where to go next I think they have to have run out of cameras it's like magnets in the house like it's so (laughs) funny how they'll all like eventually because that that confessional is like in the attic I guess like it has the like sloped roofs and there's like all this luggage behind them like I think it's supposed I'm sure it's somewhat staged, but like the confessional booth is like in the attic and they have to like sit on that chase lounge to do their confessionals. And then like as one more person goes up and up, it reminded me of like old school real world confessionals where like more people would get in there and like keep adding. And all of a sudden the entire cast is in there and and Dorinda just goes like full degrading, berating Dorinda. And like Jill is gonna... Going into next episode, we'll just have to see how Jill recovers. Woo! It's hard to move on to the next city, but it's Beverly Hills. Jody's staying to talk about that. We're episode eight. It takes a villain. And finally, Diana decided to show up as a housewife. It took eight episodes. I'm not saying that I'm for or against it. We'll dive in. But Diana finally showed up. Okay, so we start off this episode with we know, I don't even know if this starts off, but we know that this is the episode where we have Garcelle's party. Garcelle's turning 55, which she looks absolutely amazing. I did not know she was 55. Um, And so she's planning this party, but as she's planning the party, she's of course like invites all the ladies and the ladies have a group chat and they're all saying, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming, all of this. And it seems like it's going to be a great time where all the women can come together and have a really good time. You know, they're fresh off a trip from Mexico. They're celebrating life and 55 years of Garcelle. And just as they're enjoying this moment, Diana throws a wrench in this. Diana sends us a a five inch long text message, which isn't that just the best in a group chat. (laughs) So do you want, should we read the text message or are we? Here. Okay. This is, this is, this is what, this is what Diana sends in the midst of celebrating that they'll all be joining together at Garcelle's party soon. Doctors are putting me on bed rest to stop bleeding. This trip and flying and drinking and burning my candle at both ends after losing baby and bleeding for eight weeks straight after miscarriage and four major surgeries that followed in last few weeks to save my uterus was not a very intelligent thing to do. I usually wouldn't share this in a group text because it makes me look like a whiny bitch, but Garcelle might think I'm rude. So there it is. Inflection was my own. So sorry. (laughs) And she'd spell Garcelle's name wrong in the text. But we never get clarity on how she misspelled it, but everyone notes that she misspelled it. So it was Uh, really bad. It's definitely (laughs) notable. (laughs) Right. It must have been, there must have been like some O's in there, some Q's. Yes. So of course, all the women, they they give a reaction. They have the women reading the text. Um, 
And they get their reactions and all the women are kind of like, ooh, I want no parts in that. I'm not responding to that. Because when they were all reading it, I was like, and I'm sure maybe the reaction was the same to anyone listening to me read it who has not already experienced this. I was like, oh no, like they're all going to be so worried about her. Like this is obviously like a health issue. And then that last line comes in where she says she usually wouldn't share something like this, but Garcelle might think she's rude. So there it is. And then everyone's like, Oh, shady. And this is what I don't understand. Because when did Garcelle and Diana have beef? That's what I'm like. I was going to ask you the same thing. I was hoping you were coming with answers. I mean, I have one small answer, which is that at the end of the Mexico trip, um, Garcelle asks asks Diana why she reacted the way she did to Dorit asking about the Room 23 book. She's like, you seem to really shut down and and I she must say the word rude because that's the word that that Diana keeps throwing back in Garcelle's face. Like I think Garcelle is just in her Garcelle way. Like it was kind of rude the way you reacted. Why did you react like that? What then? What Diana goes on to say is that she doesn't like being braggy, which. Diana is throwing out a lot of accusations later about Sutton being fake and other people being fake. And my experience with Diana is that she's extremely fake. Like, she's she is doing everything about that book to, like, not say that ultimately that book made everyone think that she is, like, a madam of Hollywood. You know, I mean, so her answer is, like, a full-on lie. Well, and, and also... Yeah, so, but that's the only thing that Garcelle has, like, done to her. But also, Sutton being braggy... You literally say later on in this episode that your purse is $4 million and you're showing off the diamond on your purse. Like she's always right, bragging about bragging. her wealth. Yeah, like you're always talking about how you have money. And like, I know way too much about the amount of money that you have because you keep extreme talking about specifics. it. I know like extreme yeah. specifics about her wealth. <laughs> yeah. And like, l- and like the philanthropical work that she's done. And all of these details that she's like happy to let out of the bag, but she doesn't want to talk about this book. Or as Devin just pointed out in the group chat, how when she was fleeing because of the fires that happened a few years back, she had a trunk full of Birkins and jewelry and she's taking a picture smiling at all her Birkins (laughs) and Banksy's. Yes. And she's taking a picture, a picture of it. So Diana, I just, I don't like her at all. I mean, what she does in this episode is basically like a wrestler's heel turn. She just <laughs> decided, she woke up that morning, decided she was going to be a villain and like completely changed her personality. Yeah. And I believe she, that uh, she could be like that, but it's not how she's been the rest of the season. We got to get to the birthday party because now I'm looking at Diana in a completely different way. Now I'm actually scared for Asher. I felt like Asher's, I feel like Asher's in that relationship against his will. Against his will. (laughs) Okay, so the bottom line is is that Diana, after sending this long text about what poor health she's in right now and then like insulting Garcelle at the end, comes to Garcelle's birthday party with Asher literally in tow, like dragging behind her. They're both wearing giant fur coats. And it just makes Asher look I don't even know if so it was cold. <laughs> small and young. There's no way, given how everyone else was dressed, that it was cold enough. But Asher keeps that jacket on the entire party. And it was just like so suspicious. I 
like Asher, I'm I'm so confused. I really think Asher's there against his will. I could literally, I can hear Diana be like, sing to me now. Play the piano for me now. Give me baby now. You know what I mean? I can hear, I can hear I, the I whole couldn't hear thing. that before this episode, but now <laughs> yeah. I definitely can because I yeah. heard her like turn on her snake voice. Yeah, absolutely. So Diana shows up. She comes in with what I thought was a bouquet of flowers, but it is surrounded by her book, which is very self-serving to me. Like I, I just, I would never, I have a stack of books behind me. I would never show up and break, like, here's my book, guys. Do you like, it's just. Maybe you would to make a point to your enemy. I mean, that's like, that's what Diana is doing. And I just couldn't stop thinking about her going on to accuse Sutton of being fake and phony when like every, she, like, doesn't like Garcelle. She's mad at Garcelle. And then she shows up to her birthday party. Is that not fake? I don't know. Yeah. No. These totally. are often words I use to define people. Like, I'm not out here accusing people of being fake in my everyday life. But it's, like, one of the bigger housewives insults you can lob. And Diana went straight to it. It's it like she nuke. came with a mission. Right, right. She There was a mission. She was there to complete it. And she did. So I, you know, I don't know if I felt the fakeness or if I just felt like she's, she's just, I don't know, I I don't know the word to use, but she definitely was intentional in every single thing that she did at this party. The conversation with Kyle and Mauricio, walking out, walking up with the flowers in her book, having the conversation with Sutton. Now, granted, Sutton pulled her to the side. It's not like Diana initiated this conversation, but Sutton pulls her to the side and this is where we see... First of all, it goes down at the party, period. It starts off one way. Kyle is lit. She is three sheets to the wind. Legs open. Before things go to, like, full shit, I will just say, like, this party seemed really fun. Everyone was dancing. I thought it was, like, so sweet watching Garcelle come in, like, surrounded by her sons who are, like, all taller than her now. I was glad that it was acknowledged that her oldest son, Oliver, is really hot, although I immediately became nervous for him watching Erica look at him. Um, but, you know, <laughs> that's that's all beside the point because we've got Sutton and Diana over to corner clawing each other's eyes out. We do. So Sutton pulls Diana to the side and she's like, eh, listen, I want to talk to you. And Sutton is suspicious of Diana being on bed rest, which is what she mentioned in that text message that we read earlier. But now she's here partying. She's having drinks. Yes, Sutton does um, say that she's empathetic to the miscarriages that Diana has suffered. But Diana then responds by calling her the fake fakest and phoniest person she's ever met. But Diana doesn't stop at fake and phony. She then proceeds to tell Sutton that she is boring, which I don't find Sutton that boring is rich. at all. That is I don't is know where that's rich. coming from. And I... <laughs> I, I think like, because I, I I do think it's like, I think it is like Diana woke up and we're like, these are the housewives insults. Someone is fake and someone is boring. And honestly, she could have like ripped that directly from one of my old recaps. Like you can, I'll allow almost <laughs> anything, but I will not allow you to be boring is like something that she said. And like, that's what I say about housewives. Like the worst thing you could be as a housewife is boring. It's also what Sutton said about Teddy that made Teddy cry they like on like her first very first episode but sudden is so many things she is not boring she is the not root of all drama and it's so rich coming from diana who decided to turn her personality on in this episode but like she's been so boring 
this whole time, she's been demure. She's been talking about her philanthropies. She's been, like, staying out of the fray. Like, the only thing she said over and over and over is that Sutton is a bacon-eating vegetarian, which comes up approximately eight more times in this episode. It's just, like, it's just such a... It's it's such an unfounded allegation. I did not find her argument strong. Well, no, it was no argument. It's like, and she does have her saved in her phone as baking, eating vegetarian. She said, uh, Diana revealed that. That is how Sutton is saved in her phone. No, I didn't agree with her argument either because I don't think she, she didn't come. She was, Diana was kind of like, listen, if this conversation happens, these are the things that I have to say. These are the points that need to be made. I'm not going to hear anything. I'm not going to respond to anything that you're saying. I'm not going to receive it. I'm ready to say you're fake, you're phony, and you're boring. And that's so true. She probably did rewatch. No, she probably had her assistant compile maybe something you from your- You know who she had do it, Rachel? Asher. Asher! Asher, Asher was up in the crack of dawn Asher. on his little MacBook. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> We're going to find out Asher's a monster too. But like right now, I'm just like a little worried for him. Ah. <laughs> uh- hundred percent. And then this is where we see... When they're fighting, the editors, like, show Asher over by himself. Like, he's not socializing with anyone. He came... Like, they came to this party with one intention. He's scared. And it was this. He's really... I'm actually really concerned for Asher. Um, Diana says the line that we've seen her... Seen over and over again in all the trailers. You need a new villain. Um, Here I am. Which in the trailer made sense in this argument did not make sense to me. It just came out. It's like villain. That's another trigger word for reality TV, by the way. You need a new villain. Here I am. She was so waiting to say that. It didn't fit. Sutton didn't call you a villain. She's just, you know, she, yeah, she responded to the things that you were saying, but it was like, that was like her mic drop moment. It didn't fit. It didn't hit as hard as I wanted it to. It did not. And it was kind of like her exposing herself is what it felt like. Is like, I see an opportunity for there to be a new villain and here I am taking it. It was just, yeah, like you said, she came with these points she wanted to make. So she wasn't actually having a conversation, which Sutton sort of notes a few times. is like, this isn't a conversation. It, Diana goes back to that like very sad thing that people do sometimes where they like mock your voice back to you. Yeah. She's like, oh, is it? And it's like, oh God, that is like, the, that is like the least intelligent, like most childish sort of retort you can do because it just means that you have nothing else. But it points to some post-drama that we, that, fallout from this episode, right? So I'd love to move to that unless there's something else that you want to say about this fight because we got to get into the post-drama of it all. Okay, you take us into the post-drama because honestly, I, like, anytime something is on Instagram or Twitter, I get so confused. So Garcelle is on, um, I don't even know who she's with, but Garcelle is on Watch What Happens Live. Andy addresses with Garcelle some drama that happened off the show because more than any other franchise, Beverly Hills is giving us a lot of drama off the show, particularly on social media. So a lot in the rumor mill, but also on social media. So a Black content creator posts something about, and she's posts about Bravo and Housewives, and she posted something in regards to Diana. Diana and she, Diana says something. Diana says that it, it must not feel good to be a Black content creator. To this Black content creator, because she says that she understood the word black to mean that this content creator made like dark memes, like like 
I don't like dark comedy memes as opposed to actually being black. Um, and it's like a total mess. And and Andy asked Di- asked Garcelle what she thought about Diana doing that on Watch What Happens Live. Garcelle's response is simple. She believes she was she's uneducated, right? She's uneducated. Now, I didn't particularly take that to mean like she has no education. It just meant she was uneducated in this particular moment on how on addressing this issue, right? I didn't take right. I assume she meant like ignorant, ignorant, right? You know, like ignorant to the reality of the situation. I'm sorry, that's a fair comment to make, and I don't think it's fair on. Well, it's frankly the it's frankly the comment that Diana made. Like she says, I didn't exactly. know. Like I didn't know exactly, any and blames it on her English, which I don't think is fair. We're watching you communicate. You've been in this country for what twenty plus years at this moment. You're you're you might not speak the best English, you know, to to use her own words, but I think you pretty much understand what's going on here. Like that's not a fair thing for you to keep falling back on, right? Like. It's just not. So uh, Garcelle said the uneducated comment and then Diana goes to Instagram to respond. And here's what she had to say. Dear Garcelle, next time you go on national television, why don't you educate viewers on how many times I went to Haiti? your home country. Why don't you tell them how many planes full of first aid and medical supplies I sent to Haiti? Why don't you tell viewers how many millions of my dollars I have given to your country? A woman from Bosnia did that. Also, you could have mentioned all the money I have given and everything I have done for women's rights in in Congo and other 100% Black communities. You are very familiar with all the work I have done for human rights all around the globe. Then she captions, P.S. Crystal is not a liar. Okay. Further proving how ignorant Diana is. There are so many problems in this text message. I'm going to tell you first off, Diana doesn't have Black friends. Straight up, Diana doesn't have any Black friends. And if she does... She doesn't, and you know how we know? Because every time something like this comes up, she references Crystal. She references... Who's not Black. She Yes, she references Crystal. She makes so many ignorant comments in this message that are full of white savior complex and giving I, I have Black friends energy, right? And her Black friends energy is I give my money to your poor little country. Which Garcelle didn't say that she's not a charitable person. She didn't say that, you know, she doesn't give money. She didn't even mention her country of Haiti. She just simply said, you're uneducated well, about and this. And the way, the way that Diana keeps saying, the language that she's using saying, why don't you say this? Why don't you say this? Because it's not Garcelle's responsibility. Like, why would she say that? Garcelle doesn't owe her something because Diana gave money to Haiti. Like, and that's clearly what she is insinuating to me. Right, And she's clearly on the defense of, basically she's saying, I'm not racist, which Garcelle didn't say that. Could Garcelle have said that that was a racist comment of it must be filled what was it? I feel sorry for you for being a black co- or must suck or be sad to be a black content creator. Yeah, like it. it yeah. Garcelle easily could have gone there and said that was a racist comment. She didn't. She took the high road and said you were uneducated. 
That's what she did. You got on the defense of basically saying, I'm not racist. Look how I, as a white woman, give money to Haiti and Congo. You lumped Garcelle in with people from the Congo. With Congo. With people from Africa. Let me tell you something. They don't want your Bosnia money. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? This is peak white savior complex. It really is. The next thing we will know, do not be surprised if we see a picture, a Diana posts a picture of her hugging black children. It's only going to come next. Oh my gosh. That's next. Asher needs a new assignment and that assignment needs to be when, when Diana fires up the old text machine to post a screenshot of her notes app, he just knocks the phone out of her hand. <laughs> Because it's just getting her in more and more trouble. It's like it would have been so much better if she just heard Garcelle say that, been annoyed, and never written anything. It's very evident who Diana is in this moment. And Diana can keep living in her bubble and in her world that is not full of Birkins color. and Banksy's. <laughs> yeah, Birkins, and, Birkins and, Banksy's. and Banksy's. Just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Um, Great episodes this week. So much fun to recap. Um, We're going to give it to you again next week. What I like is we keep changing it up. There's so much Bravo content. Maybe we'll do Southern Charm next week. Maybe we won't do Atlanta. Maybe we'll do Dubai. Maybe we won't. You never know. That's why you have to stay tuned every week to the Morally Corrupt Show so you can get all the Bravo news, the Bravo tea, the Bravo inside information. So we'll be back here next week giving it to you guys again. Everyone have a happy and safe holiday and we'll see you next week.